0: Come on, that's pretty weak. You guys can do better (laughs) next. Wonderful. How's it doing Simple Church? (laughs) Dropping stuff all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm gonna move this mic over here if you don't mind. Well anyway, my name is Buddy. Um I I just want to tell you what an awesome privilege it is to be here this morning. Um my wife and I love you guys. We love Simple Church. We love Aaron and his wife and what you guys are doing here in Rollsburg and we believe in you guys. We believe in, in your team and what you guys are trying to do here. And it, it's an awesome opportunity for privilege just to be here this morning, to, to be in front of you. So we, I do appreciate you guys. Um, and please, if I put you to sleep, it's okay. I won't be offended. Um, I understand. If you need to play on your phone because I'm boring you, that's cool, too. Um, we're good. Whatever you want to do, I'm cool with that. So please, I'm not going to be offended. Um, but I do. I do. Uh, my name is Buddy. Um, you can see, uh, Pastor at Legacy Church. Uh, we have not started Legacy Church. We are just like Aaron. We are getting ready to plant. Actually, he's way further than we are. Um, and in January, we will be planting a church in Canal Winchester. Um, called Legacy Church. I'm hoping to change the community just like Aaron and, and your team here is doing. Um, before I get started, can can we pray for Aaron and his family? Uh, I, I don't know. I, as a pastor, it takes a lot of spiritual, emotional, and physical energy to to plant a church and to do what Tim and his team has done is doing here. Um, I don't know the, those of you that have ever, ever been involved in ministry, there's something pastors call the Monday morning hangover. Um, and that's because of what preaching and ministering involves and what it takes out of you. And this time that Aaron and his wife and his family are getting away is super, super important for him just to be able to renew himself physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, it takes a lot. So let's just pray with him, shall we? Father, I just thank you so much for Pastor Aaron and his wife and their family. I thank you for just what a blessing they are to this community, to this church, to this body. And Father, I just pray right now as they have this time away of spiritual refreshing and renewal that you would just bless them, Father God, help them to have just a great, great trip where they can get together as a family and just enjoy life and enjoy this time as they pull away, and help them to be spiritually refreshed and renewed, so that when they come back, they'll be ready to hit the ground running and to win more people for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 So, Pastor Aaron uh, has us has been preaching you guys the last couple weeks on the gods at war, uh, and if you if you know. Gods of war, there's a God system and there's the world system. And these two systems are in opposition to each other, which is the reason we call them gods of war, right? You remember the first week Pastor Adam Pastor Adam, Pastor Aaron talked about um, worship. Idolatry, we talk about these gods of war, this idolatry, this worship thing. Idolatry, worship. We can go on the first week get on to worship. What are we truly worshiping? If you remember, he used the, the illustration of the, the guy the missionary who went to India and when he went into the house. They, all the all the furniture was centered around this idol. And then you remember, well, that's not something we do. And then you walk into your house and you realize your furniture is centered around something called a television. Wow. <laughs> right? Yep. Okay. So now understand, please, as we go into the day, I've got the, the great task of being able to preach to you about what the gods of war are. And this can come across very condemning if, if, if we're not careful. And that's not the heart of of Simple Church, that's not my heart. It's not what we're trying to do. We want to bring you closer to Jesus and to get those things out of our lives that will, get that, that will draw us away from God. Does this make sense? So please, if you feel any condemnation, that's not what I'm trying to give you today. We're going to give you a sense of freedom that comes from truly knowing Jesus and getting rid of those things, that, the barriers, the obstacles that may keep us from knowing Him fully. Does that make sense? So first week we talked about worship. The second week he talked about there's a battle for your heart. And remember, the, the challenge for us as believers is what? Do you remember anything from last week? Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. And so I get the task of laying out some of the guides and try to set up the temple in our hearts. And once again, this is not about condemning or pointing out your failures. This is truly about having a love relationship with God, truly knowing God fully and fully knowing Him so that you can fully live. So... Before I lay out to you the three gods of pleasure, that's what we're going to talk about today, the gods of pleasure. I, I, want, I want to talk about, about what they are. I, I want you to understand a few things before I go there. Um, if you walk out of here today and only take away these two ideas, then I will have done my job. Okay? So, number one, I want you to understand something. God is real. Gods are counterfeit. Okay? Gods are real. God is real. Gods are counterfeit. God produces. God creates. Satan only counterfeit Satan can't create anything so anything that we have in this world was created is created by God and then God, Satan offers up his counterfeit so when we talk about these gods of pleasure today we're really talking about the counterfeit God has a real creation a thing that he wants you to experience and then Satan has come in and brought a counterfeit of something that he wants you to experience that kind of feels like God kind of tastes like God is kind of, it kind of fulfills the needs but not really does that make sense? So, so it, it's kind of like this. I have a friend of mine who in high school, my senior year, actually, he has my senior year, I remember watching the news. And I saw my friend on the news. And <laughs> he's being taken out of cuffs, not by cops, by the FBI. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is the deal? I mean, that's a big deal. With the FBI's coming to your high school, to hunt you down, there's something going on, right? So he, he hunts, they're taking out cuffs. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Well, it turns out that my friend was involved in counterfeiting. In high school. He's a genius guy. If he could just lose his, use his powers for good, that'd be phenomenal. But he, he got involved with photography. What he was doing was he was taking, you have to follow me, he took four $10 bills. So he had one, two, three, four $10 bills, okay? Then he'd take a dollar bill and he would tear off a corner of each each dollar bill, just one corner from each dollar bill to total four corners. Are you following with me? And he would adhere each corner to the corner in the $1 bill. And then he would go to a store when it was busy, and he would buy a pack of gum with a $10 bill. So he would get back, he would buy a $79 pack of gum, get back $9 and change for what looked like a $10 bill, but was really only a $1 bill. He got away with this for a long time because he'd go, you know, cashier they don't care. They're just, look, oh, it looks like a $10. It's busy. They don't have time to check anything until at night some manager check the money going, that does not look like a $10 bill. Because it says one and it's got ten, this is weird. So finally, they put out his thing, figure out who's going on, and he's away in cuffs. The bottom line is, they were able to do it because they went to a time when the store was busy for people that didn't really notice or understand or even care what was happening. They weren't vigilant about watching every single dollar that went in to that register. Why? Because it wasn't theirs. Because it didn't matter, right? See, he counterfeited something that was real, and that's all that Satan can do. He can only counterfeit. And I want you, if you do nothing. Hopefully you'll walk out here either mad and free because you realize that you've been, you've been accepting some things into your life that are not real. You've been accepting some things in your life that feel like God, they taste like God, they look like God, they even smell a little bit like God, but they're not the real thing. So I want you to experience that tonight. Second thing I want you to understand is that your actions have consequences. Your actions have consequences. Here, I, I've always said it this way: thoughts become actions. Actions become habits, habits become lifestyles, and your lifestyle will become your destiny. If you can change your thoughts, you can change your destiny. If you can change your thoughts, you can control your life. You've got to get control of your life. Um, in a little bit, we're going to look at a story of a about a real life story about a man who allowed a thought to control his actions and in turn destroyed his destiny. But before that, I want you, if you have a Bible, if you, is it, if you don't have a Bible, um, our uh, host here, ushers, whatever you want to call them, they, uh, they have some if you don't have a Bible just slip your hand up in the air and we'll get one to you these are yours to take they're yours to keep forever and ever and ever and call them George and name them yours and take them home and love on them and do whatever you want to do with them okay they're yours to have please don't feel like you got to return those those are that's our that's Aaron's gift to you okay so if you would um, open up your Bibles to first Kings 18 and I'm not going to read through this I just want to to give you a brief brief history of um, the text of what's going on right now. See, in this story, we have a guy named Elijah. Elijah is a prophet. I don't know if you've ever read through through the Old Testament, but prophets were just bad to the bone, okay? When you saw a prophet coming, when people saw prophets coming, they ran and hid because they knew God was about to do something crazy in their community. I mean, crazy. People were going to die. Something was going to happen. I mean, it was going to be bad. When you saw a prophet, it was just bad. So here's this prophet is is rolling in. And... um, there's a guy, Obadiah. He's walking along the path. He sees this guy, Obadiah. Obadiah is a servant of, um, of Ahab. Ahab is married to Jezebel. Just to give you some, have you ever heard anybody call it Jezebel? This is where they get this from, okay? There's a Jezebel. Um, so Ahab's married to Jezebel. Jezebel's killing prophets left and right. I mean, just killing them because she's so, she didn't want anything to do with God. She do not want God to be around anywhere. Prophets are gone. They're dead. She's killing hundreds of them. There's a, a just a crazy, crazy thing going on. So Obadiah, who is Ahab's servant, Ahab is Jezebel's husband. Get it? We start tracking. Obadiah is hiding servant, hiding these prophets. Matter of fact, he's got them in caves. He's got he's got hundred prophets hidden in caves. He's feeding them. He's giving them water. He's taking care of them. He's got fifty one caves, fifty in another cave, and and so he's kind of doing things on the down low. Ahab has no idea what's happening. Jezebel has no idea what's happening. And so Elijah's walking walking down the road and he sees over there. He says, oh, God, hey, I want to go see Ahab. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do you want to see Ahab? He's going to kill me because we've been looking for you, Elijah. He has been looking for you. He wants to kill you. He wants to van- vanquish you from the planet. I can't tell him here because every time somebody says they find you, you're never around, and then they kill the person that says that they found you. So they're just going to kill me because you're not going to show up. He's like, no, I promise you. I want to show up to Ahab. So soon... so. Long story short, he shows up before Ahab. He says, Ahab, here's the deal. He said, here's the deal. I'm, uh, I, I'm going to, god is going to send rain. Actually, what happened is, in, in chapter 16, a little backing up, is that God told Elijah he wasn't going to send land, send water to the earth because of the sin, because of the idolatry in their lives, because they were a, an idol called Baal, a, god, a false god called Baal. So, God said, hey, look, you're not going to have any rain. You're not going to have anything for three years. So, here it is three years later. Elijah says, hey, we're going to send rain. But here, here, here so we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. So, in chapter 16, it says that, uh, it says that Ahab married a woman named Jezebel. You're told this, right? As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except for at my word. And Elijah told her the drought that was coming. So, that's three years. So here's what you need to understand. Baal was known as the, the god of weather. Okay, he was known as the god of weather. So what God did here is you got to understand. Point out what you understand. God will not bless his competition. God will not bless his competition. So what Baal was doing, he, Baal was the god of weather, and God said, "I'm going to control the weather." These people were praying for rain. God wasn't about to send rain. Why? Because if he sent rain, then these people would think that Baal sent rain. So God wasn't about to in rank because I can't do this. Because <laughs> if I do this, you're going to give all the credit to him and I want the credit. All right, I created this. This is about me. You've got this false god. You've got this false system. You're worshiping. You're believing in it. And I'm not going to bless that. God will not bless this competition. See, the Israelites... Uh, so let's identify, let's identify real quick the gods of pleasure. I bet you can guess these. And please understand, I'm not harping on things. These are not wrong. They're only wrong when they're leveraged wrong. Does that make sense? So the, number, the, the, the three things we we're going to talk about are the God of food, the God of sex, and the God of enter, entertainment. And please, as we dive in these, understand that neither of these are more significant than the other. Not one is more wrong. There's not some scale where, oh, this sin's worse than this sin, or this sin's worse than that sin. That, that's not what we're talking about. They're all equally harmful to the individual and equally as damaging to our relationship with God. Hey, please understand that. So when we talk about, I know sex is an easy one for us to harp on. Well, that's worse than this and this and this. Sin is sin, right? And the object is for us to know God fully, right? Sin keeps us from knowing God fully. And that's what this is all about today, knowing God fully. Anybody have kids? Who has kids? I do. Sometimes I don't want to, but someone... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I'm bad. Just kidding, not... Okay. Now, imagine with me, you were, have you ever given your kid a gift that you were just like, that's it, that's it. They get that gift, they open it up, it's, that's the gift. You're like, you are the man or the woman for at least the next five minutes. You know what I mean? Right? Like, that's cool. Right? Well, imagine with me, if you will, that, there's, that your kid wants this video game system, this console, okay, the new Xbox, the new PlayStation, the new whatever it is. And you know that you want to give that to your kid. It's a sacrifice, it's a little expensive, it's it's gonna be a stretch for you to, to afford that, but you decide you're gonna make the sacrifice, you're gonna make it happen. Anybody ever done that? I have. And that smile, when you give that to your you present that to your child, that smile that comes upon them is that's the money shot, so to speak. That's what it's all about, right? The happiness that you have brought to their life. Now, imagine that you bring out a console home, you give it to them, they go crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, oh, this is awesome, I love it, I love it, thank you so much, Daddy, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're awesome, right? They go to the room, they plug it in, they're playing with it, it's all cool. You calm down for dinner, like, no, that's cool, I'm good, I'm not going to eat tonight. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, they like this thing, right? Now the next day, you calm them down, no, they don't want to come. And then, and then a little bit later in the afternoon, you're sitting in your chair watching TV, whatever you're doing, and you see your kid, hey, God. And you're like, well, what's going on? What? All of a sudden, that system that was so awesome, he starts telling about how their friend has this this little hook up to that and this more RAM and this more ROM and this more this and they have this cool game and they have this cool they have a a controller that actually vibrates and it cools your hands at the same time so you can play for like three hours extra a day I mean you know and then you're like going what's the deal I just I just sacrificed and it's not good enough I don't understand anybody ever had that happen never see here here's the thing is that the gift became more important than the giver the beauty was not so much about in the thing itself, but the love that brought it about. The gift was not wrong or evil, but when the gift becomes more important than the giver, that's idolatry. Augustine referred to it as to these gods as disordered loves. So the God of pleasure often begin as good gifts from the Lord. Food, entertainment, sex, or relaxation are not simple. They are good things that God gave us out of love. But too often we find that we are living for pleasure. And without even realizing it, we find that we are worshiping the gods of pleasure instead of the God who has given us such gifts. Anybody ever been guilty of that? No, I have I know I have. So 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 we have we have the God, the god, the gods of pleasure. They're trying to set somebody heart. Number one, the God of food. Gotta get an amen. Food amen. is good, huh? Amen. <laughs> you can tell. I'm not I'm not I'm not casting stones. <laughs> okay. Please. If you live in a glass house, I'm not casting stones, okay? The God of food. The, the problem is that every gift God gives us can be twisted into a lure to pull us away from Him. See, it gets twisted when we start looking to food to do for us what God alone should do. We call it comfort food because that's exactly what it does. See, that that, that is why here's here's where here's where Satan here's, here's, here's where the enemy has twisted it. God is called what? The Comforter, and we call it food. Comfort. I mean, think about it this way. How is it, man, that's just a little slice of heaven right there. Anybody ever been to Cheese Factory? Oh, that's a spiritual experience. <laughs> <I> mean, woo! <laughs> it's crazy, right? You give me some of that coconut cheesecake, you know. Just a little slice of heaven, right? Or, oh my gosh, this is sinful. Death by chocolate. Right? We have all these names for food. When we look at it on the outside, it's really kind of superficial. But when we look at it from a deeper psychological perspective, it's really fulfilling the need that God is supposed to fill. See, we've gone to food, and I can attest to this because I'm an emotional eater. I love, it's, when things are going wrong, I'm finding something to eat. When things are going good, I'm finding something to eat. I pretty much eat all the time, That's what, right? And it's wrong. God's been convicting me of that. I can tell you, a couple years ago, I got, on, anybody heard of P90X? Man, I got on that. I lost 40 pounds, got down, size 31, jean. I was looking good if I just say so myself, okay, my wife will attest to that, I hope, but, but I, I got down to 40, I got down to like the lowest I've been in years, probably before high school, and I mean, I, I was there, I was, I was in shape, I was doing everything I needed to do, and then I got this job in sales, and I was working 16 hours a day, and I'm, a rejection is a core fear of mine, that's exactly why I went into sales, makes complete sense, right, so I'm getting rejected left and right, and so you know what I do, I turned to food because it's very, it's very comforting when you're getting hit in the face by people who don't want your product to go to McDonald's and have a quarter pounder with cheese and some fries and a bit. It does something to me. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It makes the rejection feel better. And it has become a God in my life. It's something that I need to deal with. And I did the same thing last summer. I lost 30 pounds, got out of the program, and then I got emotional again and I gained it all back. It's something in my life that I deal with is God of food. I allow, God to fulfill, I allow food to fulfill something in my life that God is supposed to be fulfilling. So what are you, what are you trying to fulfill? What, what is food trying to fulfill in your life today if you're dealing with that? What is it that you're trying to find healing from? What is it that you're trying to find comfort in that God needs to give you comfort in, that God needs you to be healing in? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Number two, the God of Sex. Sex, sex was God's idea. Sex is a good thing. Sex is great. It's, it's awesome. Matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he designed it intimately. He designed it to intimately connect us to a spouse, our wife or husband. Sex was arranged by God at creation. Matter of fact, in Genesis two twenty four says that a man leaves his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word there, when it's talking about the union, it's talking about a spiritual union. It says that word, when united, means a mingling of souls. So, so a man leaves his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are mingled. Their souls are mingled into one. And it's truly a, a beautiful gift from God. But just like food, sex doesn't just accomplish a purpose, it brings pleasure. So you have to understand, food was meant to bring pleasure. Sex was meant to bring pleasure. We are meant to get pleasure out of these things. So getting pleasure of them is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's what it's designed for. But understand that when not put in its private place, it can become a god. It can become something that we serve, that we seek out. We seek out the gift and forget about the giver. Okay? Please understand that. Um, just like food, sex is beautiful until it loses its spiritual context. Um, uh, fact, earlier, I told you that I was going. To, remember, I told you I was going to tell you about a guy who could control his thoughts and then caused collateral damage to his family. Wheels came off; it was just crazy. Turn in your Bible there to Second Samuel thirteen. The crazy thing about this story is it's true. Second Samuel, chapter thirteen. We're going to meet meet some a, a couple people: Amnon, Amnon, and Tamar. Amnon and they had some cool names in the Bible, didn't they? Okay, Amnon and Tamar. So here we go. These are brothers and sisters. Okay, now back in the Bible, things were a little bit different than they are now. But Amnon and Tamar. Amnon. I don't know how to say this. Thought his sister was hot. <coughs> I know it's kind of weird, but it's true in the Bible. I don't know why, but he thought his sister was hot. So hot, in fact, that he could not stop thinking about her. He thought about her night and day to the point he made himself lovesick. Have you ever been lovesick? High school, maybe? Nobody? You're all liars. Some of you <laughs> all right, okay. That's the reason you used to stay up till four in the morning talking to that girl, fall asleep like, oh, because you're lovesick, right? So Amnon was in love with Tamar, and 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 this, and you have to understand that these are all children of David, King David, who ruled Israel. Okay, these are all his children, so these are kind of royalty. And and he wanted he wanted to he wanted to take his relationship with Tamar to the next level, so to speak. So he didn't know how to do this, So he asked his other brother, Jonah, Dad, He said, he said, he, he said, how can I hook up with Tamar? Basically, I don't know what else to say. How can I hook up with Tamar? How can we make this happen? So so he, here is his brother's advice for his sister. He said, um, go to bed and pretend to be sick. That makes sense. So when your father comes to see you, this is verse 5, say to him, I would like my sister tomorrow to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her, freaky, and then eat it from her hand, even freakier. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister tomorrow to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. So David saw nothing wrong with this. Like, cool, go ahead, cool, we'll make that happen. So he went to Tamar and said, go to, your ha- go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house and her brother Amnon, who was lying on the bed, she took some dough and kneaded it, made bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everybody out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food here in my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. I don't know why there are any red flags going off at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. (laughs) No, my brother, finally. (laughs) She said to him, Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't go do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. This is a sad, sad This is like Jerry Springer type stuff. This is just crazy type stuff, right? It's And it's real. It really happens. It's a real story. That's what I want you to understand. And it all happened because he spent countless hours lusting after Tamar until it became his obsession. His thoughts led to action. His actions destroyed his destiny. And here's the amazing thing. Look down to verse 15. After it's all said and done, we find Amnon with another thought. He says this in verse 15. He hated her more than he loved her. Here's a guy who spent countless hours lusting after her, got what he wanted, and ended up hating her more than he loved her. See, the God of pleasure promises you incredible satisfaction. But what happens in the end? What happens in the end? In the end, the God delivers, the the God, not God, the God delivers the opposite of what is promised. Instead of satisfaction, you experience emptiness and an almost immediate hunger for something more. Instead of closeness, you experience a strange sense of something that feels like loneliness. The steak doesn't match the sizzle. You ever been to one of those restaurants where the sizzling stuff comes like, right? You you're like, that's cool, and you get it, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, it was fun, but, you know, I could have had the cheeseburger and been a whole lot happier, right? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how this is. Is it The steak doesn't match the sizzle. And now you've given some part of yourself away that you can't get back. That's why, remember last week, that's why, above all else, that we heed the words penned in Proverbs 4.23, which says, above all else, guard your, say with me, Close enough, that's good. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Thoughts become actions, actions become habits, habits become lifestyle, lifestyle becomes destiny. Control your thoughts, control your destiny. Control your thoughts, change your life. Everything starts with a thought. That doesn't mean it's wrong. To have that thought, it means when, But once you start acting on that thought, you start obsessing on that thought, you start dwelling on that thought, then that thought starts to control you, then it becomes an action. Next thing you know, it's your destiny. And you end up somewhere that you have never intended to go. All because you didn't guard your thoughts. Alright? Amnon's sexual sin didn't just affect Tamar and himself. It destroyed a family. Here's again. If you flip through, it says, two years later, listen, two years, two, everybody say Two. Two. So Tamar's been dead two years. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep bearers were at, ba- at Baal Hazor, near the bottom of e- border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. But Jonadab, we got Jonadab, right? Son of Shema, David's brother, said, My lord should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. This has been Absalom. Who's that? Absalom. Remember Tamar's brother, right? Absalom was bitter." For two years. And so two years later, he kills Amnon because he raped his sister. So now we have another brother who dwells on something way too long, couldn't control his thoughts, and kills another brother. So now we have two people in the family dead. All because one man couldn't control his thoughts. Right? Because we have Tamar and we have Amnon dead. Right? So here we go. then Amnon's actions led to turmoil in Israel, result, resulting in Absalom trying to overthrow King David. See, Absalom, now, he leaves, he flees for a couple years after killing Amnon. This is just crazy, right? Think about it. Do you guys track it with me? He, he leaves for two years, flees to say because he doesn't want to get killed by David or somebody because he killed another, son, killed another one of his sons who's been dead. He leaves, he comes back, and now he, he comes up with this coup to overthrow the king, King David. So he gets all the Israelites on his side, all the Israelites now hate David, and David's fleeing for his life with his with his whole royal cabinet, and trying to figure out what this thing's going to happen, what's going to happen. All because one man didn't control his life, and the next thing you know, Absalom is riding across, riding across the land on a donkey, right? Riding across the land, kicking up sand, there's a posse on his tail, because he's in the... Okay, you guys may be too young for that. Um... <laughs> So, so he's riding across his donkey and he's going across some low branches and he's got that long flowing Fabio kind of hair apparently. That's what I picture. He's like, oh, I'm on my donkey. Right? And so he's riding his donkey. He hits his branch. His hair gets cut in his branch. His donkey keeps going. So he's hanging. Like, hey, let me hanging, you know? And the donkey's like, what? He just keeps going. And so David's soldiers find him and so says they take three dravelins and plunge it in his heart. He dies. Right? All because... One man couldn't control his thoughts. Thoughts become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become lifestyle. Lifestyle becomes habits. And let me, me you may not be in sexual, having having inappropriate relationships with other people, but maybe you're clicking on the internet. Maybe you're having emotional relationships you shouldn't be having. Maybe there's something that's, some sexual need that's being fulfilled by somebody else that should never be fulfilled. Because understand, that's God's place. God's designed sex pleasure. He's designed it for a reason. But he said in the context of marriage. In the context with a man and a woman with their spouse, right? So when we take it outside of that, we've now taken it out of context and that's when we can become servant of God and we start serving the gift and not the giver. So understand if you think for a minute that you can lock away your sexual thoughts in a special airtight compartment you've been taken in by a lie because Proverbs 23, seven says this as he thinks in his heart so is he. That's why we're advised in 1 Corinthians 10.5 to take every, take captive every thought and make it obedience, obedient to Christ. Every thought. Not some thoughts. Not an occasional thought. Not every other thought. Not, not, not when we decide we feel it. Take every thought captive and make it obedient. Man, I really want a cheeseburger right now. No, I'm going to get a cheese, cheese, uh, carrot stick. Cheese <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm really craving these chips right now. But I'm going to go over here and get an apple. As much as I don't want this apple, I know it's healthier for me. Okay? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't... maybe maybe, I'm not going to go have lunch because I know she's going to be there. I'm going to go over here. I know I'm going to look weird, but you know what? My thoughts, God's thoughts are better. I'm going to go with what He wants because I'm not going to get involved in that relationship here. You're taking, you're setting boundaries, you're doing things, you're taking every thought captive. And making it obedient. It doesn't matter if you want it or not, you make it obedient. It's like my dog. I have a terrorist of a dog. Can't stand my dog. You know why? Because she's not obedient. She won't listen. She drives me nuts. When she does learn, when she does finally sit, I'm like, oh, that's what I want. But I don't sit there and bargain with my dog and say, hey, would you please do this? I throw on the ground, I say, you're going to sit. And I make her sit and she hates it. But I make her do it, I make her be obedient. And that's what you need to do with your thoughts. You need to make them be obedient. It's not how you feel. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants and what his word says. And you're going to make sure that your mind follows that path. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So take every thought to be captive and make it obedient. Remember, this this is war. And the enemy will use any lie that he can conjure up to twist the truth of God's word. Again, God says sex is for a man and a woman in the marriage. In, in the context of marriage, the gods of sex say it's okay as long as two people consent. That's a lie. It's not the truth. Give or gift. Which one are you worshiping today? Number three, the god of entertainment. Charles Prebish said this about entertainment. Yeah, he's a professor of religious studies at Penn State. Sorry, I said that in this room. My bad. Oh, IO. Okay. <laughs> I had to, to get rid of that evil spirit. I All right. America's newest and fastest-growing religion. This is about entertainment. Entertainment is America's newest and fastest-growing religion. Far out-distancing whatever is in second place. That's crazy, isn't it? Far out-distancing. Entertainment. Think about it. Whether it's the Buckeyes, forgive me, the Browns or the Bengals, it can be music, TV, movies, or books. It can be celebrities and megastars. It doesn't matter. The desire to be entertained is very present in our culture. Listen to this. The average American watches more than four and a half hours of television every day. In the average home in the U.S., this TV set is on for more than eight hours, and it offers more than 100 channels. Again, not condemning. This is just fact. This is where we are in our culture. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be better. I got a 50-inch flat screen at my house, so please, I'm not throwing stones again. I love it, especially watching sports on it. My, my son will not leave the TV on weekends because he watches football from the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed, so please. But I want the 70-inch now. Why do I want that? I, didn't even know that? I didn't even know I wanted that until I saw it, right? I, who needs a 70-inch TV? For what? Who needs 50? I was fine with my 32-inch before this came out, right? We were all fine with it. And then some marketer got the idea to start marketing this to us, and we're like, oh, we need that now. I need 90 inches. I need projector. I need something as big as that wall, right? Bigger, better. HD, 3D. I mean, come on. Really? Really? You know, here, <laughs> this is sad. Because think about it. When we gather around the water cooler at work, what subject aligns the conversation? It's about entertainment, isn't it? Did you see the game? Did you see that show? Did you watch the voice? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? You know, you, all these conversations are about entertainment. Entertainment, entertainment, entertain me a couple months ago i had to bury our direct tv and it was a sad occasion in the watts household. Not a lot it was it really was i was like nervous and scared my, for months my wife and i were like we're gonna get red direct tv we're gonna get red direct tv i'm like i'm trying to go. yeah we probably need to do it and suddenly no dear lord please we can't do that. No. I mean, I'm shaking. I'm like, I got uh, some. I need my fix. You know what I mean? i got to have to direct. I've got to watch Duck Dynasty. I mean, that's like a, I have to. Right? What am I going to do without Duck Dynasty in my life? That, that, me getting ready direct TV does not make me happy, happy, happy. You know what I'm saying? It's not. So so what am I going to do in my life? we got to get ready direct TV. I'm panicking inside on the outside. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, baby. I, I support. Let's do it. We are I'm like, <laughs> I'm in the fetal position in the shower, like, oh dear Lord, my TV is coming. So June 15 comes around and the guy they're shutting it off and I turn it on and there's nothing. I'm like, what am I gonna do now? I might spend time with my family. What? Remember those kids? I don't want to be around half the time. No, I time. No, I'm just kidding, but but seriously, I might spend time with my family now. I might I might actually read, I might do some stuff around the house that needs to be done, I might quit neglecting the things that I've been neglecting. And it's been amazing because I haven't even missed it. I'm not gonna lie to you. All that anxiety that I had, because that God of Pleasures pool was strong on my life. And that God was there and it, it, was, it was strong, but as soon as it was gone, nothing. But the whole time in my ear, you can't you can't get rid of that. Find a way. Get out, do something, whatever you gotta do to make it happen. Just negotiate with your wife better. I don't know, do something. And I've been better on this. Two of this one out of ten kids between the ages of 8 and 18 can be classified as clinically addicted to video games. It says it has the same characteristics as heroin does. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. How about our social networks? Facebook? (laughs) Oops, sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes. My bad. One of the, John Piper says this, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts, doesn't it? See, but the good news is that just like food, sex, and entertainment, just like food and sex, entertainment is a gift of God, something that can be used, for, that, that, that can be good until we turn it into God. After all, how can you not be entertained by God's creation? I mean, look at. I went on a mission trip one time to Wyoming, and we were driving through Yellowstone Park, and we were there for two solid days. And I was in a car with it was my pastor and our assistant pastor and me. We're in this old jeep. It was just a cool time to be in Yellowstone Park, right? And every time we turn a the corner, there's something more amazing. About it. Oh my gosh, look at that! Like that exists in this world. I mean, just the mountains and the the the, the animals and the the trees. I mean, it's just beautiful. And for two days, I'm not exaggerating. I know this sounds weird, but for two days, all we could do was sing. Just sing. Our God is an awesome God. I'm not, I mean, it was just an amazing time. We just, every time we turned a corner, it was like, it cannot be more beautiful. You throw a corner. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever been there? It's gorgeous. God wants us to be entertained. That's why he's put the stuff that he's put out there. But are we worshiping the God or are we worshiping the gift? First Timothy six seventeen says he richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. He richly provides. And let me wrap up. Is in, in that in that chapter we got we got First Kings as I was saying eighteen, Elijah he throws that he starts this he, he throws down this cage match. So okay, I want you to get eight hundred fifty your prophets and me. I'm going to call on my God and he's going to do something powerful. You call on your God Let's see what happens. So he gets a bull. So, so these prophets, they're, they're calling for Baal to come down. Baal, come down, bring rain, bring rain, Baal. For all day. It says 10 hours they prayed. And they were cutting themselves and bleeding and things were going crazy. And he, Elijah was actually mocking him. He said, hey, maybe you should yell a little bit louder. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on the phone. And one, one church says, maybe he's taking a dump. Maybe he just doesn't have time. Right? Just yell a little bit louder. And he's mocking him, right? Just 850 to 1. I mean, he's a brave man because I've been... I mean, 850 people just just mobbed him, right? But he didn't. And and so they go for 10 hours straight. And then it's Elijah's turn. He builds his altar. He puts a bowl on it. He says, hey, guys, come here. And he takes gallons of water. He takes a trench. Gallons of water. Now understand it hasn't rained in three years, and he's taking water that is precious, just pouring it on the altar. And pouring it in gallons and gallons. And he says one simple prayer. He said, Lord, I worship you. I pray that you accept my sacrifice. And instantly, it said fire came down from him. And it licked up all the water and the bowl was gone. In seconds, one act of worship changed the trajectory of their life. And it says that those prophets of Baal bowed down and said, He is the Lord, He is God. Why? Because they saw an act of worship. They saw God show up in a real way and it changed their lives. See, we need God to show up in a real way and change our lives. Because understand something. That 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 I just lost my place. So I apologize. That God responds when we worship. God responds when we worship. What are what are the counterfeit forms of pleasure? Are you holding on to today? Has food? Has sex? Has entertainment? Are these things fulfilling something in your life that only God can fulfill? See, God wants to give you the real thing today. See, I'm going to wrap up. There's a there's a little girl, and she was in the store and she saw these pearls. They're fake pearls. These aren't real. My wife and I can't afford anything real. But <laughs> I'm just kidding, honey. I'm sorry. This is a joke. I <laughs> so called this. So she saw these pearls and she wanted them. So she saved up the ten dollars it took. She took weeks. She did whatever it took. A little chores around the house. So she got the ten dollars. She walked in the store, gave her money. She took those pearls. She took them home, and and and, and she just loved them. She wore them. I mean, it was just, she never took them off. It was amazing. Her dad her dad walked in the room the first night and said, honey. Honey, do you love me? She says, Yeah, I love you, Daddy. So can you give me your pearls? Said, no. You can have my favorite toy though. He said, no, that's okay. That's okay. And the next the next night, the next night he walks into the room and said, honey, honey. do you love me? She said, yeah, Daddy, I, I love you. Will you give me your pearls? <laughs> um, no, but you got my favorite doll. That's okay, honey. You keep your doll says the third night he walks in the room and she's crying she's in tears and she's I mean you just see it he's like honey what's wrong daddy I love you I want to give you these (laughs) can you imagine that dad he just but he reached in his back pocket he pulls out this red velvet bag and he pulls out a real set of pearls and he gives it to her he says honey I just want you to experience the real thing because I love you that's how God is guys he wants you to experience the real thing. He doesn't want you to experience the counterfeit. That's what Satan wants. That's not what God has for your life. God has so much more. So much more for our life. But are we going to worship the giver? Or are we going to worship the gift? Bow your heads with me if you will. There's a couple different people in this room this morning. For those of you in this room that don't even know the giver, I want to give you an opportunity to know him today. See, the Bible says when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's as simple as that. And if you don't know the giver in this room tonight, just slip your hands up in the air. We're not going to be weird. I just want to pray with you just real quick. Anyone? If you want to know the giver, anyone? Then there's, there's, there's an, another, another group of people in this room that we have allowed. We know the giver, but we've allowed the gift to take his place. If that's you in this room this morning, I just want us to do so. have some time with God. And let me pray with you. Father God, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for allowing your gifts to take the place of you. For allowing your gift to set up temple in my heart. Lord, I just pray that, that, that as I go about my day life, that you will help me to control my thoughts, God. You will help me to take every thought captive. Help us as a group to take every thought captive, Father God, that we will enjoy food and put it in its proper place. We will enjoy sex and put it in its proper place. We will enjoy entertainment, but put it in its proper place, understanding that all good things come from you, and that anything that is controlling us is a God, and Lord, your board says that we should now have no other gods before you. Lord, forgive us. We repent of putting other gods before you, and we ask that you will replace it with your spirit, with your presence, and help us have proper perspective. In your precious name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you guys. <coughs> I'm horrible with electronics first of all. So I want to speak um yeah